0: Blessed Good Friday Church. Um, before I uh, pray and uh, we spend a few m- moments reflecting on the scriptures, I thought I would uh, read to you today uh, the Collect, which is a part of the liturgy and more liturgical churches. We don't, we don't do Collects uh, around here very much, but I was reading it today and I thought it was very appropriate for us as we uh, um, celebrate this Blessed uh, Good Friday. Uh, in in particular in the situation uh, that we find ourselves in uh, today. And so let me read it to you, and I I hope you see why I think this is, is such a profound thing for us to read and to reflect on as we pray tonight. Almighty God, graciously behold this your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and delivered into the hands of sinful men, to suffer death upon the cross, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. I just find that very moving uh, that though I'm here seeing a tiny portion of this family, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ sees his family and is present with them and with us uh, wherever you may uh, be tonight, and so I just think that 's a profound thing for us to think about to reflect on uh to give us a sense of unity uh in the uh thing that we uh do tonight so uh, in light of that, let me pray, uh, Lord, we do uh, ask you now uh, to graciously behold us, your family lord it 's hard for us to see each other, but you always do. And this is why you came and lived and died, uh, so that we could be your family, so that we could belong to you, and so that we could know what union with you and mystical union with all believers really is. And so you, will you bless us with a s- sense of that, especially this season when we are so separated and so apart from one another? Uh, we ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me read to you that uh, text uh, that Ron read right before uh, uh, I I came up here. Uh, It says this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so, not not to belabor the point or to do anything uh, to stretch the scriptures, I, I, I find it profound as I've thought about this text over the last a few days and weeks that in the midst of what's happening here, John, who is writing this, wants us to know that Jesus said, "I thirst." Now, uh, and, and, and let me let's reflect on that a little bit more because right before this. What did we read? That Jesus gave John a new relationship, right? He gave Mary, his mother, into John's care. So John's just received the Lord's mother now into his care, someone he is going to take care of for the rest of his life, for the rest of her life. And um, he's watching his friend that he is, after all, the disciple that, uh, uh, that Jesus loved. He describes himself that way. And as he is watching this crucifixion, as he's watching the terrible suffering of Jesus, he records for us, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these words, I thirst. Now, you know, there's... Uh, There's some interesting things about that. I mean, obviously, you know, when when I remember some class I had in seminary where we talked about this and and basically what the professor said was, yeah, well, Jesus said this. He was thirsty so that they could uh, wet his lips a little bit, wet his mouth a little bit so that he could speak loudly when he said what was really important. And that is it is finished, which is no doubt. Uh, very important. But I think, as I've thought about this and reflected on this, there's more to this statement, and John wants us to understand a little bit more about this as well. Because you see, John, uh, more than uh, any of the other gospel writers, has Jesus interact and speak about water and thirst a lot, a lot. Now, perhaps that's because John was a fisherman, right? He spent a lot of his time on water. Water was something that was uh, uh, important to him. I I don't know, but I do know that in his gospel, we see Jesus interacting with water and with thirst more than we see him doing that in the other gospels. For instance, Jesus's first miracle uh, there in John chapter 2 is where he takes the water, the giant water pots, and changes them into wine, right? In uh, uh, John chapter 4, Jesus is hot and tired and thirsty uh, when he interacts with a woman, a Samaritan woman, at the well, and he tells her that he can give her uh, a well of water that would spring up to eternal life. And then just a few chapters later, in chapter 7, Jesus is there in Jerusalem at the Feast of Booze, and on the last day of the feast, he stands up and he cries, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So this is an image and, and an issue of thirst uh, that John uh, interacts with a lot. And as we'll see in a few minutes, even in the last book of the Bible that John writes, the book of Revelation, he has a captivating vision of the spring of water, Right. Now, why is this? Why is this so important to I him? And why should it be important to us tonight uh, as we uh, think about uh, this blessed uh, Good Friday? Well, uh, I, I think a couple of things are worth our thinking about. In our culture, uh, the vast majority of us probably don't think very much about water. It's just a daily part of our lives, isn't it? You go you go to a faucet somewhere, you go to a water fountain somewhere, or, or you have your own special water that you like to buy at the store or, or whatever, but it, it's, it's everywhere in our culture, right? Water, water is everywhere. And so we don't think a lot about it. But the fact of the matter is, in much of the history of the world, and in much of the world, water is precious. So precious. Because we don 't think about it very much, but the, the the truth of the matter is water is more necessary for life than food. You can make it a couple of weeks actually, without food, but probably only three days or so without water. Water is essential for life, uh, and uh, there is no living uh, 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 creature on earth that can live. Without water. That's one of the things we do, right? When we, when we go and we examine other planets, what is, what do we look for? We don't look for life so much as we look for water because water is, is an essential, is an essential part of that. So I think that's one thing that John wants us to understand is that when Jesus talks to, uh, people about water, he is talking about the essence of what we need to live, to be alive. To have life. And it's not just physical water, certainly, but the spiritual water, the actual work of the Holy Spirit that He died to give us is essential for our lives of following Him, right? So when Jesus says here on the cross that He says He is thirsty, right? There's a couple of things that we need to take away from that. One, one certainly is that he's had, uh, he's been abused, he's been uh, beaten, he's, the last 24 hours or so have just been horrible as we've, as we've read, and that's certainly true. And we can see in this, in, uh, him saying that his, he is thirsty, his, his humanity. Right? Uh, and if we see his humanity, then we see his weakness. Because if you can be thirsty, uh, you can be dead. Uh, If you can be thirsty, you can be under the power of death, the power of sin, the power of the curse that resides upon our planet, right? And so we see him there allowing himself to take on and to participate fully Uh, in our weakness. Uh, So he, he shows us by doing this that he is taking on all that is affected by sin and death. The other thing that I think is important for us to see about that, when Jesus says he is thirsty, not only is he physically thirsty, but we recognize in the crucifixion as we've sung that he took the wrath, that he took the punishment, that he took the just Consequences of our sin that he is cut off for a time from the source of living water. How ironic. He, he himself is the fountain himself, right? He's the one who gives the living water, but for our sakes to make us his people, he allows himself to, to come under the effects of spiritual thirst as he is cut off from the source of life-giving spiritual water. And so he's showing us this dying one on the cross uh, precisely because he has thirsted and died. As a result of that, this Lamb of God, this one who carries away the sins of the world becomes now the source, the headwaters of a mighty flowing, a mighty, mighty river. I don't know if you've ever uh, uh, been able to do this before, but uh, one of the things that I find fascinating is to go to the headwaters of a river, to go to the place where the river begins. Uh, And it's it's stunning sometimes to see that we we often go out to uh, the Middle Peninsula to uh, to to vacation. We go to um, uh, Deltaville a lot. And on the way to Deltaville, you cross over this nasty little mud puddle, swamp, really, and it's this dragon run on the bridge when you go across it. And it is this just nasty looking little creek. Just a couple of miles east from there, uh, it's becomes this enormous, giant river that at some places is almost a mile across, the Piankatank River. And it just takes just a little bit to see that. And so so ironically, you know, when you get to the headwaters of something like that, it may not seem that important to you. It may not seem that impressive to you. I'm certain that when the people that were there at Golgotha that day looked upon Jesus, they did not see the headwaters of the mighty blessing of the flow of living water from the throne of God to his people. But that's what was there. John sees this, and he understands that, and that's, that's why he is so enamored with this picture of Jesus being the source of living water, so that at near the end of his life, John has a vision of the new heavens and the new earth, and this is what he says about it. He says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, And his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more; they will need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So you see what's happening here on this Good Friday. You see what's happening there with with uh, with what is happening to Jesus and his thirst and his weakness is so that we can see and be a part of this mighty life-giving river, this mighty flow that is described here as the river of the water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of our eternal dwelling with on either side of that river, these trees whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. The healing of the nations, something we are in desperate need of tonight. And yet we have this promise and we have this word because this Jesus, the son of God, thirsted on our behalf. Jesus underwent spiritual and physical thirst. He went without that water so that we could live and be a part of his river of unquenchable love. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you uh, tonight, we pray that you would uh, bless us and uh, give us a sense of how profound it is uh, that you love us and that you are for us. Jesus, I thank you tonight for uh, this picture of you undergoing thirst so that we could participate forever in the river of life. I pray that you would... uh, Uh, Give us uh, peace in that tonight, that you would captivate us by this vision of the crucified one becoming the source, the very headwaters for the river that supplies and is our life. Uh, Would you do that for us tonight, we pray in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to use tonight Psalm 51, a great Psalm of David. Uh, to uh, confess our sins and uh, receive uh, the Lord's assurance of pardon. So uh, let me read to you uh, Psalm uh, 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. and the sacred heart purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow let me hear joy and gladness let the bones that you have broken rejoice hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And so now uh, we come to the time in our service for our offering, and tonight's offering uh, provides support for the needy, uh, in our church and community, and for ministries approved uh, by the West End Presbyterian Church Diaconate. So if participation in this offering is a part of your worship this evening, you can mail uh, your uh, offering uh, to the church, and the address is, is right there uh, on the website. Uh, or you can visit our website uh, and see uh, where, uh, hit the tab there for uh, resources about forgiving, especially for online giving options.